Welcome to What's the Story, Pekin, a podcast where we share stories about what's happening in Pekin as told by their authors. These are the people who are at the center of many local events. They are in the know and here to share their story, their role in it, and the possibilities of things to come. I'm Gary Gillis, your host, and welcome to today's show. Well, my guest today is Eric Reeder. Eric is president of the Reader Area Development uh, Incorporated, uh, and it's a company that uh, was hired by the city to look into uh, economic development as it applies to primarily downtown. Uh, so, Eric, welcome. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. Tell us, uh, you know, this is called What's the Story Peak? And so what's the story about your organization? Tell us a little bit about it, maybe a little bit of your background as well. How long is the podcast? It's yeah. a long story. Yeah. Um so actually, uh, how how this all connects is I lived in Pekin for six years. Uh, I married a girl from Pekin, so my familiarity with Pekin dates back to about 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a non-traditional way, uh, in 2011, it was March, uh, my wife and I moved from Dallas, Texas to Pekin, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not usually the, the sure. transition you right. hear most of the time. Uh, has a tendency to go the other way. But uh, after living down in Dallas for five years, um, we kind of wanted to get back to, you know, family, familiarity. I grew up in Geneva, Illinois, so uh, along the Fox River there. Um, We kind of want to get back to the homeland. And one thing that I experienced while being down in Dallas was a a grassroots community movement, Uh, something that took place. It was 2010. It was in a kind of a south neighborhood of Dallas called Oak Cliff. Mm-hmm. There was a movement called the Better Block Project down there, which um, I, I only heard about later on. Uh, it took place in April. I had just had a, a shoulder surgery, so I wasn't able to participate, but kind of saw the f- footage of all this. But just a, a group of community citizens who got together, who recognized that this commercial district down there was you know, not what they wanted it to be. Um, and, and as they kind of talked through this, they started to see that all the things that they wanted, you know, cafe seating, bike lanes, uh, being able to sell uh, merchandise or wares out on the sidewalk, all those things were illegal. And so the fun place that they wanted their own community to be, you know, you know, think of any place that you've traveled that you, you mm-hmm. pay money to go visit. Um, those were the things that were illegal in their backyard. So they did this temporary, what they called an art installation, this Better Block project. And seeing that, uh, I don't come from an urban planning, architectural, or engineering background, but um, come equipped with a marketing degree from Western Illinois. And, uh, and having traveled, seen a lot of places, this was something that resonated to me more from a marketing standpoint of how to reposition this place. Um, And it was something of uh, historic nature down there. They had some great bones. Um, It was laid out in a really conducive way because it used to be an old streetcar line. Um, So it had all the makings of being able to revitalize it and be that place. Um, So kind of taking that inspiration and coming back, uh, it was running at the same timeline. I started the company Reader Area Development. Um, one of those things where you, you give yourself the title of president and <laughs> you give yourself that business sure. card. So, um, but with the intention to, to do some of the things that I saw down there, which um, was more on the commercial renovation and, uh, and kind of that community place making thing. And being young, I didn't know what any of that meant. Mm-hmm. And um, so kind of as things went on, uh, we wound up moving to Pekin, like I mentioned. 
one of the first stops, I think it was April of 2011, was to the Pekin Area Chamber of Commerce and uh, talked to Bill at the time, Bill Fleming, and just wanted to get a better understanding of what was going on in the community and uh, see if there was any places where I could plug in. Um, so, you know, I'm young, energetic, looking for something to do somewhere to get involved. Um, and, and he kind of pointed me along to this Pekin Main Street and um, got to get involved uh, early on as a volunteer there, served on the design committee, um, took part in the events that were going on and uh, subsequently became a board member there um, for a few years. But uh, that, that really kind of helped advance some of my education and experience in the topic of understanding downtowns, um, going to different conferences. You know, there's, uh, as we sit here in the Pekin Public Library, there's a, a great wealth of books and literature mm -hmm. that are available on the subject. Just kind of consumed anything and everything that I could because this was something that um, the, the job that I come from, it, it didn't find any stimulation from, from that thing. Sure. I was reconciling bank data on two screens. It was <laughs> about as mundane as it sounds. Sure. Um, so having something where you can make an impact in your community and get involved and, and get to know your neighbors there um, was really something that um, struck a chord with me. And so, you know, over the course of time, um, my knowledge uh, and experience grew, you know, fast forward several years, um, leaving Pekin uh, would have been early 2017. I went to lead a downtown organization up in Rock Island, up in the Quad Cities. Um, simultaneously, I was doing some consulting work uh, with the city of Havana. So that was, I think, a four-year engagement down there. Um, went on and have still been working with the city of Alito, city of Monmouth. Um, my time in Rock Island ended and I took over the greater Muscatine Chamber of Commerce and Industry, which was Chamber of Commerce, Economic Development, Tourism. Um, so what started off kind of really is just something that I was, you know, interested in myself, grew that passion, gained that education, that experience level, put it into a practitioner level. Um, got to work in what five six communities in five six years mm -hmm. um, so a lot of the things that I saw in Pekin early on you know I can say that as frustrating as certain items might be you know you're not alone there's other communities that struggle with these same things and um, the Main Street coalition throughout the country you know you get to meet a lot of different peers in the industry or talk to a lot of other volunteers, board members, that type of thing. And, you know, they can share some of those war stories and, uh, but also the, the good things of how we got different things done, how we revitalize buildings, events that we put on, so on and so forth. Um, so, you know, one of those things that um, early on that I guess I was naturally gravitating towards was understanding a downtown. Like what, what is it? What is this working element? And you know, I talk about the familiarity with downtown Pekin from early 2000s, you know, wasn't really registering in my mind at that time. I just wasn't tuned into it. And uh, admittedly, you know, we didn't really go downtown. You know, we may have went somewhere our East Court Village or we went to Peoria uh, when we were in town. So it really wasn't a thing. But uh, upon living here, you know, you become kind of rooted in this. And so walking around, riding a bike and mm. um, going into different businesses, that type of thing you start to see the place quite differently than just, you know, passing by in your car, going somewhere else. Um, so the engagement here with the city, um, it's kind of a full circle moment, right? Uh, now seeing things, what, 10, 11 years later, um, 
the things that I was working on then um, has grown and evolved, but it still remains a, a pretty simplistic and basic approach of understanding your downtown um, and, and trying to make it understandable and approachable for those who you know, may not be familiar with this topic because it is the, the, the community members who ultimately will help guide and, and mm -hmm. control certain things. So um, just having a basic understanding of what what are the buildings that are here? You know, what what do we actually qualify or classify downtown as? You know, everybody has a little bit different different definition of that. Um, but knowing what's in that geographic boundary, what are the assets? Where are some of the problematic areas? Um, seeing what businesses are here, understanding what's missing, how to kind of put things together, and and really what I say is revitalization is the outcome of a lot of activities. So. This is more of a, an approach and a process, what I call a reinvestment strategy. So it's to, to help with the mayor, council, and staff members to be able to say, yes, you know, we have funding in place. We can go out and do some of these things. We're focusing in this specific area to achieve and accomplish these outputs. Um, so it's not just a scattershot effort to try to sure. you know, hit a home run the first time you walk up to the plate, but do a lot of sound principle things that you know will have sustained um, success in the future. Well, I, there is some irony in that um, this year is the, I think, 50th anniversary of the opening of what once was affectionately referred to as the Pekin Mall. Yeah. <laughs> and if you look back historically, it seemed like that was when the downtown decided to kind of coalesce, let's come together and find a way to compete with that. Of course, that's been displaced with big box stores. And yep. How do you compete with that? And as we were talking before the podcast, you know, I was on the inaugural board of the uh, Peak and Main Street and served as president for a, a number of years. And, you know, we had our successes and we had our frustrations. Part of it was, you know, the success of a mall or a big box is that, you know, there's, there's no question of volunteerism. You just have to do those type of things. And... Um, you know, if you were a, a member of a, of a mall or a, an outlet inside a mall, there was operating hours. You're required to be there. Um, you know, you, you all participated in promotion and other types of things. And um, the problem we had, the challenge we had at Main Street was you had this diverse collection of entrepreneurs, yeah. and passionate people, and, and highly energetic and very knowledgeable on what they were attempting to offer. The challenge was getting the buy-in, the things we were trying to do. So we started by having you know events that brought people downtown, yep. car show and other things. But I remember the frustration <laughs> to have an event. Okay, here comes people, and stores were closed. Uh, or uh, one time I came down to a downtown store myself, proud that I would I would be patronizing, and they opened at ten, and it was almost ten fifteen. I was still waiting in my car. Yeah. And I know when you're your own business owner and all that type of thing, heck and. I operated my Edward Jones office. I, I tried to be there religiously at a regular time, but something would you know, happen. But it was things like that that just became a challenge. So yeah. it was the, how do you get the, the, the buy-in where everybody participates and realize I have an obligation, I'm gonna fulfill it because we're all in this together. Yeah, well, I, I guess kind of uh, going back to a comment I made a little bit earlier, um, Having seen some of this in other places, you know, uh, now I guess maybe with a little bit more maturity and, and mm -hmm. respect for, you know, some of what the entrepreneur sure. and small business are going through, 
uh, I, I look at a little bit differently, but at the same token, you know, everybody else experiences these same things is, you know, why can't this, this business be open <laughs> at this time? Or, you know, why isn't there, you know, this type of business here? Sure. And it just, you know, certain things don't always line up. Um, and it ebbs and flows uh, over over the course of time. And I, I brought up Muscatine, Iowa is kind of one of the last stops where I was at um, working from a, an employed standpoint. They had a, a downtown group similar. Um, it'd been around for a little over 25 years. And so, you know, that energy kind of wears out. The the folks that had started things early on, you know, they're, they're now saying somebody else has to take this on. We're tired of doing some of these things. Um, so you get it from a variety of different ways, uh, uh, kind of the good and the bad. But uh, where I've seen success, um, and it's not trying to directly compete with uh, a central a centralized management type operation, but um, where ultimately the, the city and the stakeholders within the downtown business district kind of understand there's a moment in time saying, all right, we, we are focused on downtown. We're, we're gonna try to give this thing everything we've got. Um, what this means is we're gonna try things differently and it doesn't, you know, it may not matter if one thing fails, we have to keep trying and we have to keep investing in the place itself. Um, you, you can educate all you want and you can try to bring people along and share best practices. Um, from a consultant standpoint and having worked in places for long durations, you know, we'll, we'll try to coach or mentor and oftentimes that's met with resistance <laughs> because mm -hmm. change is, is difficult. Um, but it's hopefully planting the seeds saying, hey, you know, um, did you know that 70% 70, 70 of business is being done after 5 p.m.? So, you know, you having standard nine to five hours may not be as conducive to generating the income and getting mm -hmm. the business that you want. When you think of it, yeah, there are a lot of people that don't get off work till five. Maybe sure. that there is something to that. Yeah. And so the malls have recognized that years ago and, and took advantage of it. Um, I, I don't know that we can really go into the, the uh, uh, what is taking place in the retail environment. Um, some of that is kind of a, a runoff from the malls going to the big box power centers. What I'd call the race to the bottom is now that you've made everything as cheap and convenient as possible, the next logical step would be the internet. So now you have to compete with uh, Amazon and, and that digital space, right. which now the challenge for Main Street businesses is no longer just being a storefront competing. Now you've got to be in the, the, the web universe sure. in order to have your e-commerce shop, your social media, and these things that uh, I was just reading uh, uh, something from the Kauffman Foundation yesterday, uh, kind of uh, statistics of business owners over the age of 55 seem to be kind of that demographic that are starting up businesses right now that also coincides with those folks not having as familiarity with some of those uh, e-commerce social media aspects so sure. it's again a kind of a mismatch of how do we compete with this thing well, that what I used to always see Eric was uh, and I used to tell these local businesses um, the line was you know differences sell similarities don't so mm -hmm. how can you be different and the big box stores don't don't share the passion. Uh, oftentimes, the people that you interact with, you know, they are hourly. They're good, hardworking people, but they won't share the same passion. Right. So, you know, to go into a, a place that has a certain specialization, 
and have someone you can go to and say, hey, I'm doing this project, or I'd like to have this. I'm not sure. I've done a lot of internet research. I'm not quite exactly sure what I want. Or, um, you know, for example, I'll use Little Aids as an example. I could, I could research and find the bike I want, even go in there and tell them I think I want this. Yeah. But then they'll ask, well, where do you ride? Where do you plan to ride? You plan to do trail riding and take this on the road or whatever. And they, they put in your mind thoughts and, and ideas that you didn't have previously. Yeah. So to get that specialization, uh, and you can only find with an entrepreneur that really dedicates themselves to not only the what they offer, but a certain expertise that you wouldn't have elsewhere. And I think that's... Um that goes kind of hand in hand with, I guess, this this love for downtowns that I have, sure. which is, I, I call myself a downtown nerd. I, mm-hmm. I, I live it. I, I work in it. Um, I try to patronize it as much as I can. Um, and one of those things that you see reoccurring is um, those unique small businesses. It, it creates that authentic feeling, that, that right. vibe of uh, of your town as a whole. And you know, um, it is a necessary evil to, to shop at certain chains and I won't name any names, but those are the things that, you know, you, you know, have in economies of scale and a competitive advantage right now. Um, but they also, you know, they're not using local accountants. They're not using local marketing or insurance firms. Um, they don't know, uh, from a higher level, you know, what's happening in your community and, um, you know, speaking, having run, uh, membership organizations myself you start to see their contributions wane as they no longer have that connection or close feeling of your community so you know they may have supported the the little league team or, or basketball tournaments and those things kind of go away which is unfortunate and and it's sad that that seems to kind of fall on the the shoulders of the small business but you know that's where i say from everything that we do economic development wise you know it really is to over invest in your local entrepreneurs and your small businesses because they'll repay you exponentially mm-hmm. there is a an economic feedback loop by you know making sure that they're healthy and in good shape um, because they'll contribute more more things than you don't even know of that you know hit certain bottom lines so um, those unique specialty stores, niches, and things that can be filled, that becomes certain places' calling cards. Um, mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'll pick on Louisville, Kentucky, um, because the first thing that comes to mind for Louisville is mm-hmm. bourbon and whiskey. So sure. once you get enough of something, then it becomes a thing where, hey, you know, you guys want to go on a trip to Louisville? Where are we going to do there? Well, mm-hmm. we're probably going to hit up some distilleries. And then there's other things that you sure. do, restaurants or whatever. So um, what Pekin's thing is, is probably still yet to be defined. But mm-hmm. uh, again, uh, here looking at the history books in the library, there used to be those breweries and distilleries of right. yesterday that I think, man, this would have been that place I would have yeah. loved to come to back yeah. in whatever, 1900. <laughs> sure, sure. Oh, yeah. You, and there's... You know, this bicentennial for the community will be in, gosh, another year and a yeah. half, actually, a little over a year now. Uh, and if you look at uh, the business history, it's pretty intriguing from the manufacturing yeah. side, but also just the things you had downtown. Of course, a lot of them are more alcohol-related, if you will. <laughs> but, um, it, it works fine by me, um, you know, and what you kind of mentioned about the malls, and, and maybe it kind of also goes hand-in-hand hand at the same time is, 
kind of the the, the move away from manufacturing, mm-hmm. or at least uh, where people were kind of pushing younger sure. younger folks to get a college degree and that sort of thing. Like the trades, working with your hands mm-hmm. wasn't yeah. it wasn't cool for a while. Right. Um, but the good thing is, over the last 10, 15 years, that maker culture kind of came back, sure. and it's like. Wow, you make your own beer. You make yeah, your own thing. Yeah, that yeah. that's pretty cool. True. And so you see it, you know, oftentimes and not that the arts start to lead things, and or you know, if a place has a brewery, uh, Petersburg, uh, Illinois is a good example with Hand of Fate. You know, that's a small community mm-hmm. of what less than three thousand people, and uh, they've got a good vibe down there, and that's kind of one of their their anchors, if sure. you will. So. Um, things like that, you know, it, it doesn't have to be beer. It can be candles or a bakery or what have you. But the more you make, the better you usually sure. are in the long run. My wife and I were in, in Monticello, Illinois, this this last uh, weekend, and same concept. It was a you know a courthouse square, yeah. uh, smaller dimensions. You certainly had the facade buy-in, which I thought I uh, was interesting to observe that. Uh, there was an Edward Jones office right there as well, but it, they bought into kind of that historic facade or motif um, but I, I noticed the anchors there were a number of restaurants and we have that here you yeah. know with railhouse and ashers and, and I, I think those can be you know natural draws for people but I, I guess my my final questions for you would be imagine a 30,000 foot view five years from now and I know there's talk you know about a new courthouse where the arcade building is that very well could come down and be replaced by something county-wise. The article I saw you talked about development along the riverfront. I remember at one time talking about condos and that type of thing. Just having people there 24-7. Yeah. Uh, are those the kind of things you envision or working toward? Yeah, so uh, again, um, the nature of these kind of downtown strategies may be a, a little bit different than what most people have thought of, like the, the grand visions and the, the big painting of pictures. And, and I often find that those are tough to take immediate action on and sometimes they become overwhelming or paralysis by analysis because Mm -hmm. there's so many different things Uh, you talked about it before with having so many different business owners or property owners downtowns are complex and and Pekin being no different um, you know I guess the the early love and I, I go back to my hometown of Geneva you know I took it for granted that they preserved all these old buildings and those have just been around Mm -hmm. and you just think well that's what you should do then you come to find that well some other communities maybe tear down some of those things that looking back you're like man that would have been great to have xyz i I won't name any specific properties here but there there were some gems that um you unfortunately can't get back so Mm -hmm. you definitely don't want to see buildings torn down um it is about destination so you know people don't come to your town for the parking lots or the sidewalks they come for the things that are there the attractions the destinations um any river town and i've lived in uh on three different rivers now so i don't know i guess i'm an expert in that realm but everybody points to the river as an asset and and rightfully so um there was something that the settlers saw here long ago that this was the the boon for many different mm-hmm. industries as we were just talking about um so certainly um you know my perspective having you know not not only been down there and having recently uh um i'll give a shout out to paula yoga happens here but she does a, a yoga class down at the the riverfront 
you know, it's a great environment. So you'd love to see that leveraged and more things happening down there. Um, I know that there's there's been different ideas that have come throughout the years, and that doesn't mean that um, we shouldn't do anything just because some of those things have been scrapped. But I think there's an opportunity that, uh, whether it be this year or the next, it becomes one of those kind of master planned opportunities where the community is invited to participate to say, hey, right. w- what are some different things that we could hypothetically use this for, whether it be a little bit of recreation, some commercial, some residential, um, but really use that asset to the fullest of its uh, ability and not to lose the entirety of the uh, public realm there because you want the community to be able mm-hmm. to use that. So if it is just private use, you, you lose that ability to just people have that can go look out at the barges or um, just kind of sit there and look at well, the birds or whatever you're yeah. going to do. And uh, what what the... Uh, future is with the courthouse you you know from what I've heard initially you know they're still going through some of their planning I I see some some big opportunities there with nearly 30 million dollars of investment you'd like to be able to capitalize on that Mm -hmm. whatever that looks like I know they've they've still got some things to work out on their end but um, you look at some of the other opportunities that are around the downtown specific and there's there's certainly things that can kind of connect all those dots to where um, you lead from that river up to the end of kind of the court mm-hmm. Broadway triangle there and it becomes that more um, walkable environment or that place that you want to just hang out and spend time. We always use Galena as the high water or the sure. benchmark yeah. because everybody pictures it. Um, and so to go back to kind of the earlier comments, you know, what's what, what the goal of this is, is to kind of make it as, as simple and easy as possible to comprehend. Um, I liken it to three things, the buildings, the businesses, and the branding. And by branding, I don't mean just logo, but to talk mm-hmm. about Galena, you close your eyes and you can picture those historic buildings there, right. that heritage and, and what they're all about. You know, what that is when you close your eyes and think about Pekin, you know, that's still something to be, uh, to, to be determined. The businesses, there are some great ones here, and then there's some opportunities to, to fill in some of the blank spaces. And then the buildings themselves, you know, a lot of these things weren't created to be what they're going to be today. Um, mm-hmm. So that comes with certain challenges, but to invest in those buildings, that's kind of the elephant in the room, which is the longer you let them uh, linger and languish with deferred maintenance, it just becomes a harder thing to watch. And then um, you know, I'll, I'll say it, having seen it during my time here, uh, the West Campus uh, demolition there, you know, it, it kind of hurt a lot of people. There was a, a community <laughs> a grieving process, and, and it's kind of interesting to see that with the building. Myself not having any attachment, uh, not having gone there, but um, you, you see those opportunities or, or missed opportunities when things get torn down. So mm-hmm. this is all about kind of, you know, stabilizing and, and investing and building back up. So sure. if you can't buy into that, then I don't know what's wrong with well, that. Well, I, I think it's great. <laughs> uh, you know, I've, I've witnessed uh, from individual businesses to, to those who not only operate a business, but in, invest in, in trying to support development of neighboring businesses, et cetera. Uh, and they've had some successes, but you've never had total buy-in. Right. And I think part of that is because you lacked a a knowledgeable, uh, dedicated, and focused professional 
like yourself or your organization uh, that will give uh, the guidance and, and direction that they need because otherwise you're just kind of treading water trying to you know f- find where, where the shore is so I think uh, and I, I applaud the city for um, you know bringing you in and realizing they needed that that type of expertise so I uh, well I'll give my kudos to the to the mayor and council uh, and staff as well and, and really truthfully I, I think it kind of starts and ends there you know mm-hmm. my, my time will be short-lived in this regard um, so my hope is to set things up that the the future user of, of the strategy can see that, okay, there's a lot of things that need to be done. Right. We can't get it all done in yeah. a day. Yeah. Um, it, it took years to get to this point, but um, how do we keep working at it week right. in, week out? And then you start to see those gains. And, and not to forget that you have to have money behind those sure. things because unfortunately... It all costs money. Well, to have a how-to plan <laughs> is what they've they've missed. Yep. And you've seen people that, you know, they accomplish step one and step two and all of a sudden stumble. And then there's they don't know of a step three or else they feel they have to, they've got new leadership and they go back to step one, right, which right. they usually <laughs> redefine. This way here, I think you'll have a roadmap uh, that, you know, certainly change going forward yeah. will be something that will happen. But uh, I, I applaud you for that. I think it's... It's great, and uh, uh, I appreciate as a citizen of the community that's always wanted to see that downtown as somebody that married into the community as well. And remember, when I made my first call in town, it was at the Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. <laughs> and all the businesses that I first knocked on their doors that no longer exist. Yeah. It'd be great to see something come back. So no, I appreciate that. I, I couldn't agree with you more, and, and I will say that, you know, Pekin uh, – is unique in the regard that there is a, a great community that will back certain things uh, such as the downtown and you, we mentioned and we we're talking about a lot of different volunteers business owners people who have put time and effort into things um, the good thing is I see that continuing in the future and people look at uh, this as a you know an opportunity of how can I get involved whether it's a how painting can they, a mural how can they reach or, out to you is there I can share with you uh, an email address sure. uh, if you want to include that in the podcast website or eric, E-R-I-K, at readerareadevelopment.com is the best way to get hold of me since I'm running around uh, a lot. But this Saturday, uh, which is November 19th, we're having a downtown walking tour. And again, it's a great chance to just, on a very cold day probably, to go walk sure. around downtown look at things through a different lens but um, this is to understand kind of the current conditions so that we know uh, we have a benchmark now moving forward Uh, how do we make it better from here and uh, while my time might come to a conclusion I'm always a around and available to talk downtowns sure uh, can my call, wife people, can't get me to stop talking about people it, can so. call city hall too and they'll, absolutely they'll know. yeah that's great well i appreciate you being here um is you know not only a it's a timely topic for today but it, it really is one that speaks to the future and and we can never really um focus enough time on being forward thinking so i appreciate uh, the expertise you bring the experience you bring as well and uh thank you for being here I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, and thank you to everyone who uh, listened today. Uh, we welcome your comments. You can reach us at uh, peakinpodcast at gmail.com. As always, I thank Mike Eaton for setting up um, the uh, 
audio part of this here at the library. I thank them for their room. Uh, I apologize if you ever hear some noise and wonder if we're uh, recording in uh, a romper room of some type. But we actually are in the passport room, which is right next door to the teen uh, domain. As a matter of fact, I'm proud of the fact we kept straight faces as the one little guy was looking in at his face plastered made faces at us in the, in the, the window here. So, uh, but it's it's great because Pekin Library is a great place to come and hang out. So uh, thank you and uh, take care.